All right, everybody. It's great to be back with you today on the In Focus podcast, taking another look at the Bible and some big Christian ideas, how they bring our world into focus, empowering us to live a more eternal kind of life within it. I'm your host, Justin Laughlin, follower of Jesus Christ, husband, dad, pastor, adjunct professor, an avid reader of anyone I can find who helps bring this world and our place in it into better focus. And for whatever it's worth, in my own effort to continue learning and growing and figuring out how to live faithfully before God, I've also picked up some degrees along the way in pastoral ministry, practical theology, and missional discipleship. So today we are back into the early chapters of Joshua for another look at entering God's promises and some of the dynamics we might expect as we seek to follow God into many of the promises He has spoken over our lives both in the New Testament regarding our life in Jesus Christ and also through prophetically inspired words along the way about our own places and purposes in God's kingdom. So none of these episodes are intended to be any kind of magic bullet that propel us into God's promises. That's always a matter of timing and God's action on our behalf. However, as Jesus made clear in my favorite parable in Luke 19, While God's redemptive work continues unfolding in this world, and while His kingdom is on the way, every single person has the choice as to whether or not we'll live in opposition, or in neutral passivity, or as participating servants of God's kingdom. And that choice, as revealed by our attitudes and works, defines us eternally before God and in that kingdom. So Joshua then paints a picture for those of us who would be participating servants of God's kingdom here and now. And hopefully by reflecting on how God has worked in the past, our discernment can be sharpened as to how he is continuing that work in us and through us today. The context has obviously changed a great deal between Joshua's day and ours, but God has not. And the essentials of being God's faithful people in this world also have not. Those unchanging principles are what we are interested in from the early chapters of Joshua, not just to have accurate information, but for our lives to be shaped as followers of Jesus Christ. So here we go, back for another look at entering God's promises in Joshua chapter 5, and I'm going to start reading in verse 1 for today's passage. As soon as all the kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to the west and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan for the people of Israel until they had crossed over, their hearts melted and there was no longer any spirit in them because of the people of Israel. And at that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make knives and circumcise the sons of Israel a second time. So Joshua made knives and circumcised the sons of Israel at Gibeath Harlothroth. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the males of the people who came out of Egypt, all the men of war, had died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt. Though all the people who came out of Egypt had been circumcised, yet all the people who were born on the way in the wilderness after they had come out of Egypt had not been circumcised. 
For the people of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness until all the nation, the men of war who came out of Egypt, perished because they did not obey the voice of the Lord. And the Lord swore to them that he would not let them see the land that the Lord had sworn to their fathers to give to them a land flowing with milk and honey. So it was their children whom he raised up in their place that Joshua circumcised, for they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. And when the circumcising of the whole nation was finished, they remained in their places until in the camp until they were healed. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. And so the name of that place is called Gilgal to this day. Okay. Joshua chapter 5. Now let's walk back through this passage a little bit together. I will draw out some of what God is stirring in me that I think he might want us to hear today. But more importantly, uh, why don't you also um, move forward, opening the ears of your heart to see what God might be speaking to you and how he is inviting you to take steps in making this story your own. So, first of all, a quick background on circumcision, which is central in this passage. That was the sign of God's covenant with Abraham that was given in Genesis chapter 17. Uh, Circumcision was an identity marker and reminder that Abraham and all of his descendants uh, were set apart as a covenant people to whom God had spoken some very specific promises about blessing and about the land that the people were now entering. Uh, Circumcision was a physical sign, obviously, so it was a daily reminder that the people were not like everyone else around them. It was a sign and reminder that they were God's people and that they had been set apart from the nations by God, and circumcision was their response to God's promise and part of their participation and what God had spoken and said. And basically, they were saying in that action, we are not like everyone else around here. So there's circumcision. Um, Second, while the nation was beat down, disappointed, wandering, and dying in the wilderness for those 40 years, they kind of just lost themselves, apparently. They forgot who they were. They forgot that they were a set-apart people, Uh, by God, and they stopped setting themselves apart by circumcision as God had instructed them to do. So they kind of lost their edge. They were blending in to the people around them in ways that God had told them not to. But fortunately, as we read in this passage, God did not leave them in this state. So jumping back into the story, God parts the water, the people cross over into God's promises, new life is opening up to them through God's intervention on their behalf. And then one of the very first things that happens on the other side is that God brings them back to who they truly are in Him. The covenant is renewed, the promise is remembered, the people are given the opportunity and the instruction to set themselves apart once again in circumcision as God had instructed them to do. So in the wilderness, the people had been lax uh, in their part of the covenant deal. Now God brought them back and was reawakening them to who they had always been in him. Their identity was renewed 
and their separation from the world around them was renewed. So a, a big theme of the people not quite measuring up, the people forgetting, the people falling short, but God is faithful, God is steady, and God gives them a chance to step back into who they were in him. All right. Uh, so circumcision, renewal. Uh, third, at the, at the very end of verse 7, there's a tiny little phrase in here, sitting quietly and humbly, uh, three little words that I think should really grab a hold of us. On the way. So uh, verse 7, and with, for a little more context, says the people were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. And here's what I love about this, this, this little phrase, these three little words. Even when the people were being unfaithful, even when they had forgotten who they really were, even when they weren't doing the little thing that was their part in this covenant with God, it did not bring God's work to a halt. The people found themselves in the threshold of God's promised land before they had renewed the covenant, before they renewed their own faithfulness, before their identities were locked back in as God's people, and while they were still looking like the world around them in the exact way that God had told them not to. And all these things happened in spite of the people on the way. Next, uh, God graciously created the time and space not only to deal with people's humanity and unfaithfulness, but for them to be healed and to recover and to be restored. It says specifically, they remained in their places in the camp until they were healed. And then the Lord said to Joshua, today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Now, as God's people today, we are still not to blend in with the culture and the lifestyles of those around us. We're not to blend in with the people around us. We are to stand out. We are to be different in how we talk and how we act and how we order our lives. We should stand out both in the big picture of our lives and also in daily life. That's why the New Testament still refers to God's people as holy, which literally means a set apart people. Now, here's the trick, and here's why this last part of Joshua is still so important. We do not start out that way. When our new life begins in Jesus, when we are first forgiven, and when we first turn away from our old thinking and our old way of living in repentance, uh, we have already taken shape. We already think certain ways. We already relate to others in certain ways. We already relate to God in certain ways. We've already shaped our lives around certain values and priorities and thinking. So we're not a blank slate when we first come to Jesus. When we first come, when we first turn, we come as a people firmly embedded into the world and who have the world embedded into us. And for some of us, this embedding may have been closer or farther from the way of Christ, but one way or another, some was, someone was on the throne of every single one of our lives, calling the shots 
and shaping our lives. And now Jesus is becoming our king. And there are a lot of implications in that changeover. There's simply no other way to begin. This long process of uh, what is often called sanctification, of becoming a set-apart people, requires a great deal of sometimes painful cutting away. And in the New Testament, it's not just a physical circumstance that defines us. In fact, that was something the church founders decided was not actually important anymore. It is now a circumcision of our hearts that is what matters. The deepest and most defining parts of who we are need trimming and cutting away and transformation. Our thoughts, our thought patterns, our behaviors, our perspectives, our affections, our priorities, everything that makes you, you, that's what gets circumcised. And it hurts. It's a painful process of submission and transformation, but it is good. It's what sets us apart as God's people. It's just something that has to happen if we are to be found in Christ. To reject that circumcision of the heart is to reject God's promises and to reject God himself. And essentially, it's us saying we are still the lords of our own little lives and kingdoms rather than submitting to God as sons and daughters within his kingdom. And of course, this is not at all to say that we have to be perfect, but we do have to be willing and submitted and formable like clay on the potter's wheel, as the metaphor goes a couple times in the Bible. So praise God, he's so good and gentle and faithful. I love that even in this Old Testament passage, he gives the people the opportunity to renew themselves in him, and then he provides some critical time and space for healing and restoration. And one final observation in all of this, uh, verse 9 says, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So 400 years is a long time to be slaves. It's a long time to build monuments uh, to foreign leaders and false gods. It's a long time to talk about promises that no doubt seemed like nothing more than folklore. Imagine how many generations came and went with only the slightest glimmer of hope while they endured the mockery and scorn of the Egyptians, who had also no doubt heard about these Israelite promises, but who continued to enslave and oppress them nonetheless. But now, finally, the whole past was being washed away. The people were not rejected. They were not forgotten. They were not slaves. God's promises had not dissipated, and their identity was not lost. So what about us? How is this story our story, and what are we to make of all this? Here are three takeaways I would propose for us today. First, we remember. We remember God's promises. We remember who we are in Him We remember what God is doing and inviting us to participate in as his people. We remember that what God is doing is way bigger than us. We remember that our place within God's story, how we live into it, matters a very great deal. Second, be set apart. Don't be lulled to sleep and don't look and think and live like the world around us. 
There's been some incomplete teaching about grace in the church over the past several years that may help to round out at this point. So grace, it's true, is God forgiving and saving us when we were lost in sin. But grace is also taking us out of Egypt and separating us from that old way of life. It's true that grace is uh, God taking us into his promises before uh, we've gotten our lives together, while we've still forgotten who we are and while we still look like the world around us, even in ways that we are told to be different. But grace is also the circumcision of our hearts. It's the cutting away of American thinking and behavior and perspectives and lifestyle in order to be a peculiar and unusual people who are set apart for God and who actually reject the American dream for a kingdom vision and kingdom service. So third, let go. In addition to the remembering and the setting apart, we also open ourselves to the time and space for God to heal us and to put away the reproach of who we used to be, whether that's 20 years ago and last year and probably also even yesterday. So we let go of the past. We let God wash it all away and we embrace renewal and release ourselves to be completely new in Jesus Christ. So then individually and collectively, may we be this kind of promise entering, set apart, healed, unentangled, resilient, and completely new people in Jesus Christ. That is God's invitation to us in Joshua chapter 5. It's what we can anticipate and discern as we move forward in Him. Amen to all of that. All right, I love you guys. I hope and pray that God is speaking to you today and trust that he is continuing his good work in you. May this word be fruitful in your life and may you enter fully into all of the promises that God has spoken over your life. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. I pray that it has helped bring your world into a little better focus and empowered you to live a more eternal kind of life within it. If you're streaming today's episode from a podcast provider like Apple, Google, Spotify, or somebody else, it would be great if you'd take a second to give the show a rating or review, uh, perhaps even become a subscriber. Uh, the show podcast is still pretty new, so your response can help it become easier for new listeners, listeners to find in the future. If you'd like, you can also share this episode directly with your friends on social media. A link is provided in the show notes to do just that. If you'd like to hear something specific from the Bible or a particular big Christian idea in the future, please email me using the address that's also included in the show notes. I'd love to hear from you, hear any feedback or ideas on how to improve the show, and also love to hear about any ways the show is impacting your life. Until next time then, thanks again for being a friend of the show and for tuning in to In Focus. May your world continue coming into clearer focus and may God lead you into an increasingly eternal kind of life before him.